great to see everybody today. I know we do have some guests who are with us, and, and um, let me just say, we always consider it a privilege to have folks come check us out every week. Um, and so if I didn't get a chance to meet you on your way in, my name is Bill, and I get to serve here as the lead pastor. Um, if I could tell you one thing about our church, here's what we hope to see take place in the lives of everyone who's a part of the table. We hope to see your faith come alive. And I say this a lot, but it's really easy, I think, to kind of go through the motions related to church where faith becomes this thing that sits on the shelf that's there when you need it. But God's desire for us is for so much more than that, that our, our faith in Jesus should change us and guide everything that we do as the Holy Spirit is at work in us so that we can better reflect who God is in all that we do. And so we have all kinds of things to try to build that into your life where your faith is coming alive and it be, begins to guide absolutely everything that you do. Um, and so if you are a guest with us today, I just want you to know I'll be available after the service. If you have any questions about the church or anything that you hear this morning, I uh, would love to visit with you after the service. I'll be out in the lobby in front of our connection area, so out the doors to the right. I'll kind of hang out over there. And so if you do have any questions or if there's anything that we could do for you, um, please let me know. We, we want to um, just be an encouragement to you. Uh, I do have to tell you something that happened uh, on Friday afternoon. It's a little bit strange. Some folks in our church uh, received a text message from a strange number that had my name attached to it from me that said something like this, hey, I'm real busy praying right now, but if you could go buy me some gift cards um, and, and tell me the, the numbers, like that would be super helpful. Um, know that I would never ask you to go buy gift cards because I was so busy praying that you couldn't call me back, but I can text you in the process. You see how these things, like, they don't really add up to me. Um, we're not really sure what happened, but um, evidently this is a thing that is happening now, um, that lots of churches are having this problem. And so I don't, again, I don't know how it happened or what happened, but just know um, Hopefully nobody bought the gift cards, but if you do have those receipts to turn in to me, um, I guess you know we can talk after the service this morning. So yeah, don't don't. Uh, also, you guys didn't win like a billion dollars, but if you did, that would be awesome too. So just be careful of those um, phishing schemes and stuff like that. So let me pray for us, and we'll jump into the message this morning, Father. Um, in this moment, I pray that you would quiet our hearts so that we could hear from you. Father, we have sung this morning about the goodness of Jesus and the truth of the gospel that Christ died for our sins and rose from the grave so that we could know you. And Father, I pray that our faith in you would transform who we are so that we can experience the life that you have meant for us to live and Father, I pray that in these moments, as we spend a few minutes looking at your word, that you would encourage us today. So speak to us, meet us right where we are, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. At this point now, I don't remember specifically what the trigger was, but it was in the summer of 2020 at a period where I was feeling like there was a new crisis that had to be addressed every single week. It was in the midst of a period where conspiracy theories were running rampant, and it sure seemed to me like Christian leaders were saying things that were very not Christian. And I remember getting up that morning and walking into our kitchen, and I sat down at the bar there, and I just thought to myself, I don't know if I can do this anymore. 
if this is what it means to be a pastor, I don't know that I want to do this anymore. I don't know that I can deal with the constant stress of crisis. I don't want to just be frustrated all the time. Like, if this is what it is, I, I just, I don't know that I really want to do this. I don't want to feel like I'm alone in the convictions that I have, especially when I don't understand why I feel alone in these convictions. I want you to know I never actually seriously contemplated quitting. Part of that is because I'm very practical in my decision making. And I know that you never jump out of an airplane without a parachute. And I looked around really quickly and didn't see any parachutes. So I decided I better stay in my seat. But you know, those feelings that I felt that morning, they haven't really gone away. In fact, we went to a, our staff, we went to a conference this last week, last week, a week ago. And they quoted a statistic that said 42% of pastors are contemplating quitting and walking away from the ministry. In one of the breakouts that we went to, the presenter asked the question at the very beginning of the presentation, how many of you are among that 42%? And when she asked that question, I thought, do you mean in the last five minutes? Or like, what's the time frame that we're talking about? Today, we are finishing our series We've been going through for the last several weeks together called Reconstruction. And I don't know if you've picked up on this or not, but with every week, what is behind the messages is a point of doctrine, something that we believe. So going all the way back to the first week, we talked about the doctrine of God. Then we talked about the doctrine of the Bible, what we believe about God's Word. Uh, we talked about the nature of uh, humanity. Um, the human condition, we talked about the Holy Spirit, so we've talked about all kinds of different things that we believe. Do you want to know why I'm still here? In the midst of the frustration, in the midst of the struggle, I still believe. And I believe that what I believe actually makes a difference. And in a world that is broken and there's all kinds of difficulties that we walk through, I think that what we believe matters for you. And I want you to be convinced of all the things that I am convinced of because I do think it makes a difference for you. But yet at the same time, that doesn't mean that we won't face struggles. The Bible says in this world we will have trouble. We want to avoid the struggles. We would do anything that we could to not have the difficulties that we go through in life, but we should expect them. So I wonder what it would be like if in those moments of struggle, our perspectives about them changed. Rather than seeing those things as a source of pain and stress, what would it be like if we saw them as a blessing that reminded us that life in this world is broken, but that something better is coming. And so as we finish today, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the hope of heaven. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn to the passage that we're looking at this morning. It is in the last chapter of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 22. So obviously, 
it's really easy to find. You just go to the very end. You get past the, you know, if you've got an index or something back there, find where it is, Revelation 22. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. So if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen as I read it here in just a second. Or um, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you can navigate your way uh, to our live event and follow along there. But let me read this section for us. Revelation 22, starting in verse 1. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and the servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. People have lots of questions about heaven. I wonder what we'll do. People may wonder what we will look like or what we will wear. Oftentimes people want to know, are there pets going to be in heaven? Uh, think about, what, are we going to eat? And if we are going to eat, what are we going to eat? You know, these are the kinds of questions that sort of fill up our minds a lot about heaven. And the truth is that scripture may guide us to answers to some of those questions, but for most of the questions that we could come up with, the honest answer, the best answer is, I don't really know. So there's a lot that we don't know, and rather than talking about all of these questions that we don't actually know the answers to, here's what I want you to know about heaven. It's better than anything we could ever imagine. Most of us are really unclear about heaven, though. When we think about heaven, the image that we think about is that it is out there somewhere, and we will go there and float around on the clouds all the time, or maybe it is out there in some alternate universe or something. What you may not know is that actually Revelation 21 describes a new heaven and a new earth, and that will be the place that we spend eternity is actually on a new earth, the new earth. And if you're familiar with the language of like the streets of gold and the crystal sea, that's actually a description of the capital of New Earth, New Jerusalem. And in fact, what I read this morning in Revelation 22, the first five verses, is actually a further description of the capital city of the New Jerusalem. And regardless of how we are supposed to read the, the language that is in that chapter, if the elements are very literal or if they're figurative, it is clear that the symbolism of the elements that we read is highly, highly significant and it helps us to understand that heaven is better than anything we could ever imagine. And so I'm going to walk through what we read. Verse 1, he showed me the river of the water of life flowing clear as crystal from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And heaven is the river of the water of life. John chapter 4. Jesus told the disciples they had to go through Samaria. 
And so they reached the outskirts of the town of Sychar around noon. Jesus sent the disciples into the city to go find lunch for them, and he sat down at the well to rest. After a few minutes, a woman came from the town to draw water. And as she approached, Jesus asked her for a drink. She was a Samaritan woman, a different race than Jesus. And because she was a Samaritan, if Jesus would have received water from her, it would have made him unclean, which meant that he could not worship in the temple unless he went through all kinds of ritual cleansing things to be able to do that. And this was something that, as a rabbi, rabbis never did. They tried to avoid being unclean at all costs. And this woman knew that. And so her response to Jesus was, how is it that you can ask me, you a Jew can ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Jesus said, but if you would have known who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked me for a drink because the water that I can give you can spring up and be living water so that you'll never thirst again. And she said, well, where do I get some of that? What Jesus was communicating to her is that he had something that would meet every need that she had. Every need that she had would be met and would be met in Jesus. Revelation 22 is the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. That in heaven flows the river of the water of life, meaning that every need will be met and it will be met forever. We will be completely satisfied. Back again in verse 1. This river of the water of life flowing clear as crystal from the throne of God and the Lamb. And then verse 2, down the middle of the city's main street, the tree of life was on each side of the river bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. In heaven exists the tree of life. There's two places where the tree of life is mentioned. The, the, here in Revelation 22, the other time is in Genesis chapter 2, and it's found in the Garden of Eden. We don't know how many trees existed in the garden or how many types of trees existed in the garden. There's no way for us to know that. There are two that are given names. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is the tree that Adam and Eve were commanded by God not to eat from, and then the tree of life. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it is then that sin entered into the world and everything changed. Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, and God sent an angel, a cherub, to guard the path so that they could not get back to the tree of life. It's interesting to think about this. You can wonder whether or not prior to sin entering into the world, before they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, did they eat from the tree of life? If they hadn't, what would have happened if they did? Or... What would have happened if immediately after eating from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil before God showed up again, what if they ran over to the tree of life and ate from the fruit of that tree? We have no way of knowing the answers to any of those questions, but they're interesting to think about. What we do know is that in heaven exists the tree of life. 
the image helping us to understand that the end is actually back at the beginning. That what God is doing is leading us through Jesus back to paradise again. In the description of the tree of life, it said that there's a different kind of fruit every month. So we'll never grow tired from eating of that tree. And the leaves are for the healing of the nations. And we could talk about maybe what, the, what we believe that the imagery could lead us to, the significance of that. But here is what we know. Because the tree of life is there in heaven, there is no death. There is no disease. There is no separation. Our existence will only always be life. As we continue reading through these images, verse 3, it says, There will no longer be any curse. Several weeks ago, we talked about the curse of sin. Part of that reality means that we are capable of all kinds of evil. Even after coming to faith in Christ, we always have to struggle against sin. We read some of that struggle in Romans chapter 7, where Paul writes and he says this, Why is it that I don't do what I want to do, and that which I don't want to do, I do? Oh, what a wretched man I am. In heaven, there is no curse. Sin will be gone. We'll no longer have to struggle with sin or struggle against sin, and we'll be able to experience life the way that it was meant to be, free from the curse of sin. There is no more curse. It says, the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face. That's so significant. I mean, it's huge. We will see God's face. In the Old Testament law, the people knew that no one can see God's face and live. The idea is that God is so holy, so without sin, just the, the holiness of God and sinful people, the holiness of God would strike us down in an instant. Moses went up to the mountain to meet with God where he would receive the commandments and the law which would guide the people. When Moses went up the mountain, there was a barrier that was placed at the base of the mountain telling the people of Israel not to go any closer because even if they touched the mountain, they would die. One day while Moses was meeting with God, he asked God if he could see his glory. And the Lord said to Moses, My goodness will pass in front of you, but you cannot see my face. The idea being that those, even those who were the closest to God, there is still yet separation. But one day, we will see God's face. We won't be separated anymore. We will be with him forever. It says in verse 5, Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of a sun because the Lord God will give them light. There is no more night. 
Night throughout Scripture, synonymous with darkness. Darkness, synonymous with wickedness and evil. It's in the shadows. That's where the scary things are. But there's coming a day when there is no longer going to be anything to be afraid of. There is no more night. No more darkness. It's only day. I don't know about you. I'll just be honest. I have a hard time imagining what that existence is like. I have a hard time because in this life, we constantly have to fight against sin. There is struggle. We experience the sting of death on a regular basis. We have to always fight against sin because it can lead us to places that we do not want to go and so I don't even, I can't even begin to imagine what heaven is going to be like, but here's what I want to tell you. It's far better than anything you could ever imagine. So, when you feel lost and alone, remember, heaven is coming. We're created for relationships, not meant to do life alone, but just the reality of life is there may be periods where we feel alone. There may be times in your life where you are lost and you do not know what to do. But I want you to remember, heaven is coming. There's coming a day when you will be known for who you are. You'll be able to see the face of God and every need that you have will be met. When you're anxious, and afraid. Remember, heaven is coming. Jesus once said, don't be anxious about anything. Some of us, though, are prone to worry. There's coming a day where we won't have anything to worry about anymore. Our every need will be met in Jesus, and the one who is meeting those needs will be right there for us and we will see him every single day. Heaven is coming. So when you get old, your body breaks down, remember heaven's coming. Confess something to you. I'm afraid of getting old. I would love it if I could do all of the things that I could do when I was 25 for the rest of my life. I don't want to get sick. I don't want my mind to go. Watch that with my grandparents. I can't imagine what that's like. I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to have to worry about that stuff. But what if in those moments, when we get sick, when our bodies break down, what would it be like if we remember heaven is coming? Where there is no sickness, death, or disease. It's only life.
in those moments when you wonder if God is still there and if he even cares, I want you to remember heaven is coming. I think we would all love it if there came a time in our lives that we would always feel the presence of God only with us. And that, maybe there are some people that get to that point. I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that that's something that we're promised. And so the reality is for most of us, there may be periods of doubt. When we go through a struggle, we may wonder if God still cares and maybe wonder whether or not he is even there. Those feelings often cause people to walk away from faith. But what if our perspective about those moments changed? What if we allowed them to be reminders that heaven is coming? That there's coming a day where there is no more separation. That we will be able to see God, see his face, to worship him in his presence. Because one day heaven is coming. And so that's my encouragement for us today. Remember that heaven is coming. In the midst of the struggle, when you walk through the valleys, remember heaven is coming. Because it's the hope of heaven that pushes us forward so that we do not grow weary and lose heart. In those moments of pain, never forget, heaven is coming. Will you pray with me?